If you could put the things that are most important to you in a bag and you only had that one bag, just one, what would you put in it? The bare essentials? And how important are the bare essentials to you? How important are the bare essentials to me? That's next in this episode of the Gratitude Journal Podcast. This is the Gratitude Journal Podcast. Spring greetings, spring salutations to you, my fellow friends and downloaders of the Gratitude Journal podcast. Matthew on board here in the basement lair. It is a bit chilly because that's what happens in basements, but outside we're experiencing a delightful day. And I don't use the word delightful too terribly often. One, I don't really consider that kind of like word that really fits in my vernacular, but sometimes I'm forced to use it because it's just so damn delightful outside. And that's the way it is. There's a little bit of wind, but uh, it's pretty darn nice. And I'm grateful for that, as I am grateful for you, that you would take the time to include the Gratitude Journal in your subscriptions as you download things to your Apple device or your Android device or whatever device you use, whether it's Alexa or whatever, to listen and consume downloadable content. I appreciate you and I am grateful that you include the Gratitude Journal in your download history. And hopefully the Gratitude Journal at its core is a way for maybe you and I to find the ways to recognize the things that we should or could or might be able to be grateful for. And so that's really the point of this podcast. And when I kind of set out to do a podcast, I've had several incarnations of podcasts in the past And like most podcasts, as you probably have discovered in your download history, they go certain episodes and then all of a sudden they kind of peter out and all of a sudden they evaporate out there in the cyber world. And so this is kind of the dilemma that we're forced with, with this rather new and uncharted platform, this podcast platform. But I'm grateful for you and I'm grateful that you would consider gratitude in your daily journey. I've been really struggling lately for gratitude. I have to be honest with you. And one of the things that has really preoccupied me is the fact that I've been on this kind of program. It's a program that I took to a doctor uh, because I had some concerns and that regular doctor, the primary care physician, really couldn't help me. And so I went to sort of another place that is more like a wellness place. And one of those places that really wasn't covered by insurance, but I figured like, you know, I have a couple things going on that I won't really share. I'll just say I have some difficulties with inflammation in my life and trying to find ways to cut down on inflammation. And one of the things that was suggested to me after a battery of tests, including food testing and some other testing, is that I try to give up a bunch of things for a period of time to see if that has any effect. And of course, as you know from my statements and comments here, I'm a pretty big fan of craft beer. In fact, I really developed a sort of a passion for craft beer. And unfortunately, 
this test actually revealed that brewer's yeast is really a primary culprit for me, or could be a primary culprit. And so this depressed me greatly. I mean, really depressed me a lot. But it also included a bunch of other things, foods that I kind of enjoy and have had and that I've really have tried to avoid over the past almost two weeks. So it hasn't been a very, it hasn't been a very gratifying experience, if I'm completely honest, mainly because a lot of the things that I kind of enjoyed consuming, I, I can't really have. And I'm trying to find, quote unquote, affordable ways to replace those things. But it's an ongoing journey. I'm grateful that I don't have, at least from what the tests showed, any kind of really a wacky disease or something that is pointing in another direction that could be ultra serious. So from that standpoint, I'm grateful. Back when I was motorcycling, and this will be the second summer now that I will be without a bike. And for that, I am pretty sad and pretty depressed. I came to motorcycling fairly late in my life. And I realized when I went through a class back in 2007, I realized how much I really enjoyed it and wondered why I hadn't taken it up earlier in my life. It always seemed like a sort of mythical, mystical thing, this act of sitting on two wheels uh, with the wind blowing through your hair and you know, traversing the country and throwing caution to the wind and letting the wind rule you. And this seemed rather romantic almost like a Norman Rockwell painting. And then I realized once I started to become a motorcyclist and not a biker, that it's, uh, while it's a gratifying experience, it's also a very dangerous experience. And I really had to be up on my P's and Q's and make sure I was protecting myself and all the other stuff that I won't go into. But it was during one of these rides where I stopped at a little town and I parked my bike strategically so that it wouldn't be in the way of any other uh, four-wheelers or cagers, as we like to call them. And I sat on a little bench and I was enjoying a cup of coffee. And I looked at the traffic kind of meandering by. It was a beautiful day, very blue sky, not a whole lot of wind. And what I've come to realize as a motorcyclist is that what could be a small thing if you're in a car could be a much larger thing on a bike, for instance. I mean, even a 8 to 10 mile per hour constant wind in a car, you're barely going to notice that. On a bike, it becomes extremely noticeable. A little pebbles in the road, you know, as corners meet, uh, as, as, as lanes or roads come together. Those things don't really matter in a car, but in a bike, when you're leaning over, making a turn, and you come across sort of a patch of gravel or a little those little mini stones that kind of gather in the corner, that could spell disaster. So... I came to realize a number of things that I hadn't realized during my really romantic mental meanderings about what motorcycling was supposed to be. At any rate, I was sitting on this bench, enjoying this coffee, enjoying this day, and think to myself, you know, self, if you could put the most important belongings in a bag, aside from Donna, I wouldn't put her in a bag, but if you could put your most precious essentials in a bag, what would they be? And could you live with just those essentials? And I looked down and with me, I had my phone and I could feel my wallet in my riding pants. And I had protective gear on my bike and I had this coffee and I had a bottle of water in my satchel bag. 
And I had a few bucks, you know, in that wallet. And I thought, you know, really today, this is really all I need. I don't need the perfect job. I don't need the perfect bike. I just need one that operates efficiently and effectively and that I don't have to maintain because I'm not capable of maintaining it myself, aside from putting air in the tires. I need a couple of bucks to afford this coffee. I need a couple of bucks to afford gas if I have to put it into the engine. And aside from that, there's really nothing else that I need, both on this trip or on that day. And it really made me think later in that ride, what are these essential things that I can't be without? How numerous are they? And to what extent have I allowed these things to sort of grasp hold of me and our existence? And I really pondered that, and it became very almost obsessive in my need to understand where these things sat in my life. In 2006, I left a job in Pittsburgh and I was set to move us to Atlanta to take a similar job. And during the process from the time that I quit the job in Pittsburgh and started the job in Atlanta, I was actually working for the Atlanta radio station from my home studio in Pittsburgh, waiting to fix up the house, sell it, that kind of thing. And in the span really of a couple of months, that job evaporated. The new job evaporated. So I couldn't go back to the old job because they had already hired somebody. And I had these freelance clients that I worked with. Some of them I still have today. And so my wife, who was working at the time, decided that um, she would be open to a relocation. And so we relocated and we went to the St. Louis area. And at the time, her youngest son had a business and had hired her. And I had these clients and I decided, you know what, I'm going to make a go of this and we're just going to move our world to the middle of the country, uh, you know, the, 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 the king colony of flyover states, and we're going to see how this goes because I really had nothing else going at the time. And in the house that we eventually purchased on the Illinois side of the Mississippi River, uh, th this house was a ranch house, very affordable and very spacious. And almost too spacious, really. And, and I recall we had a, a series of rooms, one room being this long sort of sun porch room that had actually been made into a long living room with a series of really ornate, beautiful windows that looked out onto the back. It was really quite a, an attractive room just to watch television. You know, on the one wall, it had a fireplace and it was really quite nice. And it opened, the door opened up onto a deck, which we eventually sort of reconfigured and put a pergola out there. I mean, it was really quite nice. But the room was enormous. I mean, absolutely gigantic. And when we finally moved all of our stuff from Pittsburgh out to Illinois and we started to take it into the house, we realized that like there was a whole half of this room that we had nothing in it, like nothing. And so we went shopping for some cheap stuff to, quote unquote, fill the room up. And we bought a chair and then we bought another lounge chair. We bought this beautiful round table, you know, a glass top table that I think we since sold since moving back to Ohio. Anyway, 
I recall sitting in those chairs like the first day thinking, wow, these are pretty comfortable. People who come over are really going to like these chairs. And then in the three years that we were there, I don't recall ever sitting in those chairs ever again. I mean, never. I mean, I sort of vacuumed them when it was time to clean and I would wipe off the glass table. And, and maybe, you know, if we had our grandkids come over, you know, they would sit in the chairs and, you know, draw and stuff and spread out on the glass table. But other than that, the table and the chairs never got used. And so I filled this space, filled this world with these things that really had no purpose in my life aside from filling up the space so that it prevented somebody from walking in who didn't know you from saying, wow, that looks like a big empty space in that room. What are you going to do with it? And then I came to realize that a lot of the things that I own and owned, things that I still own, are there because it seems appropriate to have those things so that people don't ask, where are those things? Why don't you have those things? And I'm thinking predominantly of like man caves, for instance. I have a man cave. I technically call it a person cave, I guess, because Donna is pretty involved in enjoying the person cave as we watch games. It's kind of been our primary television watching area down here, right outside of the basement layer. We maintained more of a residence upstairs throughout the winter because it gets pretty cold. And we had a fairly cold winter, but that's really what we have is this sort of person cave. And I adorned the person cave with all kinds of memorabilia, memorabilia that was important to me as a Cleveland sports fan and made sure all the walls were covered with the appropriate amount of memorabilia and that the spaces were mapped out so that everything looked normal and rational and and cool and that when people would come over, they would go, wow, what a cool room. And one night I was sitting here enjoying a beverage after a ride, and I was looking around at all the stuff. And I thought, well, why do I need all this stuff? Really? I mean, is it so important that I have this signed picture from Albert Bell, a player who played for the Cleveland Indians in the glory years of the 90s? I mean, what purpose or what role does it play for me now? How important is it? Is it a bare essential? The fact that I have a signed book from a baseball radio play-by-play announcer whom I admired 25 years ago, am I going to show it to somebody? What is the keepsake for? What value have I assigned to it? Everything from playing cards to game ticket stubs to programs from events. What purpose do these serve in my life? What are they supposed to say about me? And I started to wonder whether they were bare essentials that belonged in my little satchel that I envisioned while sitting outside of the coffee place while on my bike that day? Did these things fit in that satchel figuratively? Should I have them? Should I include them? And what importance do they have in this role? I don't 
find a whole lot of room for arguing with somebody when they say that we sometimes deal with anxiety and depression by surrounding ourselves with things that are familiar. Because I believe that that's true. I believe that the accumulation of things, I think we want it to say something about us. Like we want a deck that looks like a deck that has all the things that a deck should have on it so that we can admire our deck. And when people come over, they can say, wow, what a great deck you have. And then once they leave, you realize that you hardly spend any time on the deck. You have a grill on the deck, but how often do you really use the grill on the deck? And these things continue to roll through my mind. And I wonder, am I operating with things because I'm overcompensating for something else? And I'm not a psychiatrist, so I can't fully answer that question without help or maybe a third party. But I am under the impression that that could and has been the case. That there are so many things outside of this one little satchel. And in the satchel, I'm not talking about the things that are required to do your job. I mean, down here in the basement layer, I'm surrounded by things. I'm surrounded by computers and hard drives and servers and microphones and keyboards and things that I'm assuming, camera gear, lighting, things that I'm assuming are going to contribute to the revenue stream of this business. I'm not talking about those things. I'm not talking about the things that are in Donna's art studio, a clutterer's paradise, because it is absorbed with palettes, brushes, pens, anything dealing with the creation of art. And that doesn't include the things that are in the other room on the other side of the basement layer, which is a whole bank of things dealing with crafts and the world of crafting. I, this is an interest of hers, and I would never dream of taking those things away. Have I suggested sort of downsizing a little bit? Yes, but I'm not talking about those things in the satchel. I'm talking about the bare essentials, the things that are most critical, the things that are most crucial. And as I work my way through what this decluttering, downsizing thing means in my life, I wonder, is this a thing for us to contemplate? Is this a thing for us to be grateful for? that we have been grateful for the things that either we have been afforded or that we have been able to afford. And should those things, can those things be devalued enough to pass them on, to give them? Yes, in some cases to sell them, but to relinquish our hold on them so that we can better appreciate the gratitude we have for the things that we truly have. The other night I was sitting in the chair upstairs because it was still a bit chilly and I didn't want to take our world in the evening downstairs until it started to warm up a bit and that's happening. But I was sitting in the chair and one of the things I can consume is some distilled spirits. And I'm not a big fan of distilled spirits, although I have 
quite a bit of it here because I'm kind of a single malt scotch fan, but I don't have it too often. But this is one of the things that I can consume during this experimental period. So I opted to uh, have a beverage and I was sitting there sort of admiring the tint of this 18-year-old Glenlevitt in its singular little scotch glass. I'm sure there's a proper name for it. My friend Dan would know that for sure. I don't. But it looked nice and it's kind of holding it up against the lights and it just looked remarkably nice. And I actually took a photo of it for my Instagram feed and I was just kind of admiring the taste and really trying to absorb the taste. And I heard the shower going on inside the bathroom and Donna was in the process of taking her shower and we were getting we were getting ready to sit down to watch uh, a series that we have watched years ago and we have been rewatching and and that's the series Justified if you haven't seen it it's one of my favorite series of all time. Any rate, I had it on pause and I was just kind of looking around the room and I realized that amongst a pandemic and people losing their homes and people unable to pay their rent and people suffering from job loss, that the light next to me was on. And with all of the hardships that we've experienced this year, including my business, I was able to pay the electric bill. And so I had light. And the glass I was holding was a clean glass. I was able to extract it from the dishwasher the day before. And I realized that I had water to run a dishwasher and that I had a dishwasher. Some don't. And I sort of marveled at that. And that I was looking at a television that was on pause, and I realized that not only did I have a television and that I was able to pay the electric bill, but I was going to stream a program that we had been enjoying, which meant that I also had a few extra coins to pay the cable bill, the cable company that provided me internet access. And these bare essentials made me realize how grateful I was for them, that I take them completely for granted. And that I know that if I get to the point where my business is going to be struggling to the extent that I will have trouble paying one of those, then I will have moved into a completely different area. And of course, this podcast will take on a whole different meaning that presupposes that I would be, <laughs> that I would have the capacity to upload this podcast. But for those bare essentials, I was grateful. And I realized that my mission is to continue to centralize the importance that I have on the things. And while I try to preach this minimalist philosophy to Donna, and although she hasn't really grasped hold of that and maybe doesn't have an interest to, I realize that for me in my world, it's something that I think is essential, just like those bare essentials. And I'm glad, I'm very glad that I was able to at least 
find a couple of minutes to appreciate the gratitude I have for the bare essentials that I'm able to afford. And I think it bears reminding ourselves from time to time to be grateful for these things that we oftentimes don't think about and that I do not do it enough. And I'm trying to make a mental note to do it more often. If I could ask for anything more, I would ask for some knowledge about lawnmowers because for whatever reason, I can't get my lawnmower to start and it's kind of kicks on and runs for a couple of seconds and then it kind of peters out and it has plenty of gas and I think it has plenty of oil and it's just not doing its thing. So uh, sooner or later, I have to get this figured out because I don't say this too often, but we're getting to the point we're going to be experiencing some pretty nice weather here in Northeast Ohio and yours truly needs to make the homestead look like somebody actually resides here. So that means cutting the grass. So hopefully I get that solved. In the meantime, I'm gesturing with my hands behind the mic. You can't see it primarily with my right arm because my left arm is hurting pretty badly after yesterday's COVID shot number two. So I'm pretty happy about that. And hopefully this pain that I have in my arm is the only side effect that I experience from COVID-19 shot number two. Donna and I both have the shots. I'll wait my two weeks and then hopefully we can begin to integrate a little more amongst the people who have also had their vaccines. And that will be something I will be extremely grateful for. Now, I'm looking forward to the day when we can hug again. I miss hugs. I'm a hugger. That's what I am. And I like hugs. I think they're beneficial and I think they're necessary. And I think they're, they touch the core of who we are as human people. And we need this stuff. You know, we need, we need hugs. And uh, so for the opportunity to have those again, I am grateful. In the meantime, I hope that you treasure your bare essentials. And if the bare essentials are all you have, maybe that's good enough right now. And if you have a lot more than that, maybe give it some thought about how some other people who maybe don't even have the bare essentials might benefit from this overabundance of things that you might have. It's not a religious or theological conviction. It's just a human helping other human conviction that I hope that I can demonstrate a little more and maybe you'll think about doing it too. In the meantime, stay safe, get the vaccine, continue to wear those masks and social distance. And I appreciate you checking in and downloading and listening to another episode of the Gratitude Journal podcast.